Hey everybody and welcome to the third episode of the So You Want To Be Me podcast. Today I have a very special guest joining me. She's one of my favorite coworkers I've ever worked with. And um, yeah, today we'll be talking a little bit further about you know what we both do uh, at our role. We are very similar in roles, but I wanted to give you guys an additional perspective on you know what the role is like and you know hear from someone else about what are some of the benefits and some of the difficulties as well um, working in sales. So just maybe if you want to do like an introduction of like what your like what your role is and um, yeah there are a couple of questions that I'm gonna ask you today. We'll be following basically this format for most of the podcast episodes going forward. This podcast is also with me and like my friends and family. So um, although it is it is meant to be educational it won't be like the most professional podcast you've ever heard of um, just because I want to keep it light. I want to give you guys a very real view into these, you know, jobs and into what life is like in these roles. But what's your name? <laughs> what do you do? Yeah, well, uh, name is Shingabi. And of course, everyone at work calls me Shaw. And uh, I'm also like, as Mia said, same role, uh, inside sales rep. And uh, I think when Mia and I first met, I was an intern when she was a full time employee. So and, and it's wild to think that, you know, after all these years of like, working together, uh, we kind of just ended up in the same page and the sa- very similar roles, although they have their own differences and each owns difficulties. But yeah, glad to be part of this podcast. Um, what else about me? And it's interesting because when people ask me this question, who, I, who, who am I? It can be interpreted in different ways. So if you talk about in a corporate setting, people are asking you who you are as to where you started, where you're working now. How did you get there? And I've, and I've also been in other corporate interviews where they ask me who I am. And it's not just who I am from a corporate setting, but who am I am as a person? Like, yeah. what are my hobbies? What do I like to do in my spare time outside of work? Mm-hmm. And, it, and I think maybe it's a big difference between how it is in Europe and in North America. But this was an individual that asked me in Europe about who yeah. I am as a person just doing interviews. So I think like one of the biggest things is both Shangabi and I, we both work in tech sales specifically. And I also personally wouldn't have thought that I'd be in tech sales. I was never a very big tech person. Getting into tech was quite a big learning curve for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I had to learn a lot of things really quickly. I know that you also came from like a very different field. I I came from business management, but you came from something even completely more different. So um, definitely want to hear more about, you know, where you started and like where you studied and and how on earth did you get here? (laughs) There's definitely so much to touch on. So I mean, just to even go back and start off with where I studied. So I went to the University of Waterloo, which um, they're they're a very tech-oriented, engineering-focused university. So that was kind of the bread and butter and the type of people that they've recruited in this university and where most of our investments were going towards. And it's funny enough because I didn't go to Waterloo for engineering or com sci but i i did biochemistry and of course like the only reason why i went to waterloo is what's notorious for it is their internship and co-op program and my sort of segues to going in there is just you know trying to get my own financial independence and making money while studying and of course in canada 
Um, many of you understand that tuition is not cheap. Of course, in the U.S., it's much worse. But in Canada, it's just around the similar bar ballpark. So if you were to work while studying and pay off your student debt, like, why not? Um, but reason for picking biochemistry, I mean... There are so many really questionable career choices I had growing up as a kid. I do those lame, stupid career quizzes that told me you should go into healthcare. And as a, as a woman, of course, going to healthcare is what most women are doing today. And, you know, going looking back now, like tech, it's a very male-dominated field. Yeah. So I, I did not anticipate it. But going back to that, so yeah, forensics, that was, that was the reason why I did biochemistry. I've applied to a couple universities and University of Toronto, Mississauga campus has a, a specific program to forensics, but I realize you got to think smart. So you want to get a degree that if all else fails and forensics doesn't work out, you have backups. So that's the reason why I picked it. And um, looking back, uh, probably wouldn't be the choice I would make today if I had all the knowledge that I did have access to when I was younger. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I uh, did biochem and I did a co-op program in Waterloo and it was interesting because you are surrounded by a sort of group of people, predominantly men, um, where they were getting internships in, in Tesla and Yahoo and um, Twitter and Facebook and Google and then you're here trying to get an internship at a research position at a hospital and the competition was so tough. It was just one against 200 people that were applying. And don't get me wrong, it's not a huge ballpark, but you also needed the grades for it. And I didn't have it. As much as I thought going into university was for me, I realized like doing the theory and learning just things by textbooks, is it wasn't stimulating for me. And I, I feel like I also didn't learn more effectively that way. And... I think after my second year, when I didn't get my internship, there was definitely a big imposter syndrome and mm -hmm. insecurity and low self-esteem that I was feeling. And I was questioning, you know, if, if this is something that I really want to go into, um, if this is a field that I really desire and I'm truly passionate for, or am I doing this just to fulfill this prophecy that my parents had for me? Mm -hmm. And it's a tough call because especially when your parents like have gone through such hardships to get where you are and get an education and go through that, it's, it's a lot of pressure. And for me, it was difficult for me to make that career change. So I did my first internship at a pharmaceutical company, which I was grateful because without those internships, it wouldn't help me navigate towards the career that I'm at right now in, in tech sales and switching roles. And it gave me a perspective that pharmaceuticals was not for me and forensics was not for me sticking into a science field where I was spending hours and maybe days on research and writing papers was not for me yeah. and you know I I definitely decided to make that change and of course it's tough because it and with any career change it's is nerve-wracking it's you're going beyond something that you know you're not comfortable with and being comfortable with the uncomfortable I think it's very important skill to learn in your 20s so after that, I switched and I, I worked at a bank in capital markets. It was strange because I, I went from working for a pharmaceutical, which was a big company owned by another company in France. And then I went from a startup in the medical device field, which were both healthcare. And I pivoted to working for a bank and I didn't know what I was going to get into. And I couldn't resonate with a lot of folks there. 
they were comfortable with the idea of doing a nine to five job and clocking out. And I was like, wow, like, why not? Like, why not work up the corporate ladder? Where's this hustle? Like, I don't see any of it. And it was a weird, interesting drawback because like a lot of these people that were working at the bank were also miserable. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that's the one thing that I feel like I've noticed working in corporate is like nobody really likes working in corporate like i can't really see corporate culture going back to like what it was where it's like nine to five every single day at the office yeah and like one thing as well i really appreciate i guess working um you know within the the roles that we do is like when you go to the office you kind of you dress to impress and it's kind of like business casual but it's definitely not very like you know come in a suit and tie and like you know dress and heels and stuff I think that adds a lot to enjoying work because I personally, like, especially after the pandemic, like me getting into a pair of jeans is a difficulty, <laughs> let alone, yeah. you know, a dress and stuff, right? But it's interesting though, what you were saying is like the amount of career changes that you've had because again, like a lot of people do have these career changes and I think some people are too scared to make those changes. And one thing as well to note is the amount of people I know who have done a degree in God knows what, typically for some reason it's poli sci. So all finished poli sci degrees and none of them went into political sciences. Like none of them went into, they were all like, I'm going to become a lawyer and public policy. Yeah. And so, you know, I find it interesting because especially in university, you know, I can't speak to the rest of the world, but at least in North America and in Canada specifically, there is this, you know, big push of you, you, you need to know what you want to do in high school so you can get into the program in university that's going to take you to the rest of your life. And that's a really difficult decision to make as a, what, like 18 year old, what you yeah. want to do. So I think it's just, I, I like that you mentioned that because it's really important for people in university to not feel, I guess, discouraged by the fact that they're in a program that they don't necessarily think that they're going to be going into and have the empowerment to change, change your path. Like if you're not enjoying, you know, the courses that you're taking in school, you are probably not going to enjoy the real world, you know, examples of that in an actual job. So I think it's important to figure out what you want to do and what you like to do. And partially why I took business management. I didn't know what I wanted to do outside of high school. So I just took something that was generic enough, but specific enough yeah. to like many different places that I'd be able to apply the skills in many different roles. Yeah. Um, and that really like broadened my horizon because I was able to explore it while I was at university. And I was very mm -hmm. grateful for that. Glad that you kind of listened to yourself and was like, yeah, this really isn't for me. Me and you are similar in the fact that like, neither of us want to do the same thing every single day. Like it needs yeah. to be more, not necessarily fast paced, but just different and like unique. I, I kind of want some form of like chaos to like make things a little e exciting. bit more exciting and interesting yeah. and like stimulating. I find at least something that I like about, about what we do, but um, yeah. So then you went into capital markets. <laughs> really didn't know what to do. I, I didn't even want to finish my degree. I had a year and a half left and I even had this conversation with my parents about it. And I told them like, you know, to be something that's going to stimulate my mind, not doing some market data reconciliation and proposing it when the London market opens. Yeah. No. So like there's a job for everyone. Yeah. And there's also jobs that are not for everyone. 
And mm-hmm. when a lot of people approach me about getting a job in sales, the first thing they <laughs> tell me is they're like, I like to speak to people. I think that's a huge misconception people have. No, yeah. And they're like, I really like customer service. And I'm like, then then go into like hospitality or like a customer service role yeah. where you're constantly, you know, with customers. You know, for, for us, there's so much administrative stuff in the back end that unless you really enjoy actual like sales part and everything that comes with it you liking talking to customers is not going to be enough yeah and sales isn't something you can find in university either and neither was tech when you were like no university so yeah we were kind of figuring all this out as as we were growing into our roles and like into you know working at them day and day day over day Mm -hmm. but yeah i think now they have more options for like tech and tech sales and stuff yeah no i know there's definitely some new courses on like i know data science is becoming a big buzzword machine learning ai like i know there's universities that specialize in machine learning and those are things that i remember being in university that were just hitting off like the shelf and there were like new programs that they were recruiting students for and no one knew what that was going to lead us to. No one knew like how much people will be using data science, like data analytics and machine learning for. Now it's easy to think that like how much the the education system has changed within what like three years or even yeah. four years. There's a really huge push for tech. Yeah, I think going forward, like tech is really going to be. It already is everywhere. But there's pockets where it's not as pre- like prevalent. So I okay. <laughs> back to back to where what you studied. So then you went from the capital market. Yeah, and, yeah. And it was so yeah. weird. I was in I was in my pharmacology class when I saw a role pop in for an internship at the company that we were working for. And you know what? Like, let me apply for this internship. It's a sales role. I've never done sales before. A lot of people have this misconception of cold calling and just trying to get people to upsell and buy things but it's not like that anymore at least now it's not like that today um I think that's let's i think it still exists yeah in certain companies for sure but i think we have honestly like the privilege of not being in a sales role like that i think yeah. i personally think our sales role is more of like a consultant role yeah um because it is really just working with the customer and figuring out what they need first and then be giving you a solution for it versus like you know more um old type of sales is is you know door to door that you need yeah and i don't care how you feel figure it out but, but like, you're buying it <laughs> buy it from me right we yeah like that and i like that though because it's it's a little bit more liberating for us to like have the autonomy to like work with our customers how we yeah you know, see fit and like do what's right for them yeah and i really like that i hate i hate pushing things on people it makes me like so weird <laughs> yeah but there's also a human component to it right so I think now that tech, like at least the way we're taught to sell, it's just not just try to upsell. It's just really understanding if that's something that is going to really benefit the person and help their business. Like, and I think that's something to also, you know, have a debate about whether there's a difference between women sellers and men sellers, uh, sorry, male sellers, and whether women use more emotion um, when they're selling to people versus men where they might have a very transactional way of selling. And I don't want to make generalization, but there's there's been studies on this. So this is just not me pulling out of nowhere. But 
Um, I have seen some some studies. I haven't actually read into them, but I have seen that like this could, this is something that like is taken into account. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it's it's interesting though because it also depends on like who you're selling to, right? It doesn't. Yeah. Doesn't always necessarily matter because I think the way that I talk to all my customers is, is different because different people need different things and different people are going to react to certain ways that I am, you know, helping them in a different way. So you have to figure that out, right? Like yeah. You can't, it's not just a blanket sales person. Mm-hmm. You have to be accommodating and adjust to the environment that you're in and the environment being the customer and their team and their company, you know, certain industries, mm-hmm have different types of people working in them where it's like, you know, certain industries such as like finance, for example, are a lot more like transactional typically where yeah. like others are maybe a little bit more lenient. They want that relationship to be built first. Yeah. Um, but even like across Canada, like I've sold between, you know, central Canada all the way to the West and East coast. And yeah. like the way that people are very different, very different. It's yeah. just the way that people do business it's very different yeah and it's very interesting to see like it's yeah it goes to show that like you know there's so many different ways of doing sales and again Mm -hmm. it's not like a one size fits all bucket yeah um but you know at least hopefully some of this will demystify at least a portion of sales um for for anyone listening but um yeah so you were listening to a Viagra presentation <laughs> and you're like, this is where I want to go next. Yeah. So I applied and it was crazy because I didn't expect to get an interview. But then a week later, they're like, oh, wow, you got an interview for it. And I, it was interesting because the only, you know, customer experience sales role I've ever had was when I volunteered for a nonprofit organization dealing with um, fundraising mm-hmm. and any fun, uh, like uh, individuals that have donated, I would go back and verify their transactions, making sure they're, you know, they're going to be donating for another year. And, you know, from a customer service perspective, I was cold calling a lot. I think I cold called maybe 200, 300 potential donate donators to see if they can donate to the NGO. And that was the only calling experience I had. And there's something else that I've also realized with our generation and maybe with Gen Z's is the anxiety that comes with cold calling people. And I, I've had that when I first started off. Um, and then I realized that cold calling is just literally talking to human beings. There's nothing, there's there's no difference between you and the other person on the phone besides the fact that they have different challenges in life. They have different personalities, but they're human at the end. And so I got that interview fast forwarding at, at the company and I, I spent the previous day researching about the company and their values and core, you know, principles of how they drive growth. And I was like, okay, you know what? Like, I really don't think I would get this job. Let's just wing it and see how, how it goes. So I did it and I was being myself. And yeah, I, I a couple of days later, according to what they've told me that they would get back on my, uh, back, get back to me on the results. I, I got the job. And I, it took me two days to take that into consideration that I got the job. I, uh, one of the things that definitely also scared me was being a woman, but also being an industry that was predominantly white men and I was a person of color. So that was also something that daunted me. <laughs> Not only did I have minimal sales experience, but I was also in a field that I knew I, go- I was going to feel intimidated. 
mm-hmm. and I knew I had to, you know, figure out like this huge learning curve, which was daunting for me. So, um, yeah. And then, and that's kind of like where I'm at right now. And I did the internship and that's where I met this good old friend named Mia. And, uh, yeah, we've been in touch. And, and then after the internship, after doing some, you know, very interesting things and meeting some brilliant, like absolutely brilliant people who've come from different industries, different education, um, different paths of life to where they are now and lived in so many different countries. Like I decided to take the job as a full-time employee and come back. But, you know, if I'm going to be completely honest with myself, I didn't know if I wanted to take this full-time job. I was taking interviews all over Europe because my goal was to move to Europe for so long. And I was taking interviews out in Amsterdam, Um, I've taken interviews for jobs in the States and at other startups. I do think that we are definitely in an era of startups. There's a lot of entrepreneurs out there with very unique ideas, um, which is really exciting as well. So I think it just, you know, opens even more doors for us to, you know, find new roles and find new types of roles even. Like the more passionate you are about your role, there's this one song, I don't know, it's called Vacation. I'm not exactly sure who it's by, but literally the chorus of the song is um, I'm on vacation every single day because I love my occupation. And I, mm. I resonate with that so much when I think about what I want to do as a career because don't get me wrong, every single job you ever have is going to stress you out. I just don't yeah. believe that there's a single job out there that doesn't involve some stress. I agree. The difference is whether you're stressing yourself out for something that you enjoy doing. If if I'm getting stressed out and I'm enjoying my role, mm-hmm. I'm probably more likely to be okay with getting stressed and not spiral or just, you know, want to quit my job every day. Yeah. Whereas like if you're in a role where you don't necessarily love it, you're definitely more focused on all the negative things going on around you yeah. and not about, you know, how the company has, you know, succeeded so far, how far you've gotten in the role and how far you've helped your team get in, you know, wherever they are now. So yeah, um, that's, yeah, something I think about all the time. I think that is such a like fun song, but I absolutely <laughs> love that like one line. Yeah. Um, and it does make a huge difference. Really I, I think you also brought up a good point, right? Stress. I think any job, like you mentioned, Mia, is going to involve stress. But I think another attribute to also consider is the stress threshold. Yeah. I think a lot of jobs that become miserable and impose negativity in your life are because the stress is impeding in your personal life and there's no boundary. I think, you know, if you're able to have, if you're able to try at least or have some sort of boundary between your personal life and your work life and that your stress doesn't, and you know impact your relationship with your friends your family or even your partner or your kids if you have kids then i think that's a good balance yeah because your work isn't your entire life and and it's also something to think about like you have to enjoy the journey of getting to where you want to go right and i think that sometimes people forget is is yeah like if you're not enjoying your day-to-day in this job like what makes you think you're gonna enjoy it when you become you know the ceo or whatever right like yeah it just you have to enjoy what you're doing 
to the, to, to, to the best of your ability and create that, you know, those boundaries, that balance. Otherwise, no job is really probably going to be that great. Yeah. Right. And again, you're just going to be stressed out and you're going to bring this into your personal life and then it's going to stress you out even more. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think we should always striving to just be happy, but it is very difficult when, you know, different messages are being kind of thrown at us instead. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. But that being said, I guess we could dive into a little bit more about like, what does work-life balance mean to you? Work-life balance for me is... It's difficult. It's not a one clear-cut answer of what's right and what's wrong. I think it's dependent on the person. I think work-life balance is being able to have a clear separation on you having to spend time that's really important to you, and that's not your job. I, I, I don't know if anyone else will disagree with me, but I will say it's not your job. Your job is important, but what's also important it was is what also other things that stimulate your mind, so your hobbies um spending time with people that you love um alone time and i think the remote work did a, a really sort of silver lining for yes we don't have to we don't have the option to interact with people but it gave us a flexibility to do things that we wouldn't have done with that time you know i think work life balance is maybe maybe taking 4 hours in the day to work Maybe you take an hour break for lunch. Maybe you take two hours break for lunch and you work later than usual. Or you work your typical eight hours. You cut five, nine to five and you go and spend time or do things that you that you love. For me, it's, it's going to art galleries. It's shopping for vinyls. It's spending time with my friends and also my time for myself. Mm -hmm. um, I think there isn't really a clear answer as to what work-life balance is. I think it depends on the person, but I don't think work-life balance is you having 10 hours or 12 hour work days and doing that consistently. Because I know that there's different factors, right? When you have a really tight project deadline and you have to work late, that's totally fine. But what are you rewarding yourself after? Are you going on vacation after that project's mm -hmm. done? Are you giving yourself a break and working maybe eight hours or six hours of that day because you did so much overtime in previous weeks? I think it gets it's dependent on your job for sure i think certain jobs like don't have the opportunity to be able to be that flexible but i think you do bring up a good point where it's like you need to in some way reward yourself and specifically it's like you rewarding yourself not your company rewarding you with like a gift card for it's like i think it's just yeah you doing it for yourself right yeah you get that internal um, appreciation for the job that you're doing and and taking time for yourself I think is something that's super important because I think at the end of the day like you're you're always going to be with yourself so you have to be comfortable with that and knowing yeah. you know what's going to make you happy even though you are at work you know even if it is like let's say you're working 10-12 hours a day but you do something you buy yourself chocolates at the end of the shift or yeah. you buy yourself flowers like just something to help you get out of that working you know mindset yeah like you were saying though work-life balance is different for everyone but i do think that especially with you know coming out of covid it's something that we all just do have to you know continue to stress because i don't think that there was as great of a work-life balance before yeah now with covid we kind of have a sense of what work-life balance could be like and a very big point is figure out what your hobbies are 
Yeah. And your hobbies could change. Like your hobbies could be art one one day and like the other day it could be reading. The next day it could be like going out for volleyball. It doesn't always have to be the same thing. Yeah. I think it should be something. And it should be something that you're doing on a weekly basis, preferably on a daily basis, but obviously that's not I don't think that's really reasonable. Like some days you just, you know, don't have time to do everything and that's fine. But on a weekly basis doing something for yourself, I think it's super important. So, yeah. 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 Um, but on that note too, like kind of similar is like, what does job satisfaction then mean to you? Like what, what would you be looking for in order to be satisfied in your job? I think it, it really comes down to, um, the ethos of a company. So like their mantra or their culture, mm-hmm. I think for me, like that's really the bread and butter as to whether or not your employees are going to be happy with you. There's a really good CEO that I his name doesn't come up to me right now, but he, I follow him on LinkedIn and he always calls out on, you know, the fact that employees are not getting raises according to inflation and all these layoffs that are happening in the tech community could have been avoided. And there's so many things that the, the higher level VPs and higher managements and CEOs are, are taking advantage and exploiting workers, tech workers, right? So there's so many things going on, but I think a company culture, like a really good company culture that values you as a human being and treats you like a human and not something that's disposable, which is hard to find, I think. I think it's easier to find in smaller companies for mm-hmm. sure um, because their their growth is dependent on each and every single person. But when you work in a conglomerate, it doesn't matter. They'll, they'll like just exchange you for someone else. I think me for company culture, I think is good. Canada, it lacks a lot. And I think for me, job satisfaction is having the enough time and break for me to detach from work. And this is vacation time and PTO. I don't think in Canada, two weeks is enough for you to have a break every year. I think it should be illegal. <laughs> um, I And just having so many friends in Europe, all across Europe. So we're looking at the Netherlands, France, Spain. Um yeah, and even in the in the UK and perhaps in even Scandinavia, like in Sweden, I have I have family there. A lot of them tell me, and they're they're shocked by the amount of time off that we have here in Canada, and, and I'm sure in the US it's far worse. But um, yeah, just valuing and telling me, okay, well, I'm dedicated five weeks in the year to take time off, and that's reasonable in 365 days of the year, and I have pay time off that I use for emergencies. But another thing for me specifically, and it varies with each individual, is creativity and artistic creativity. And that's something that I don't have in my job today and I I, I wish I had. Um, as much as I love relationship building and that's kind of what drove me to sales, I think the biggest part of me and what I've really been passionate about for so many years is art and design and architecture and and really embracing the beauty and history of of buildings and art. Um, I don't have that in my current job as much as I thought I would. And also music is a big part of my life as well growing up as a kid. I don't have any of that. And I, I, I think that's another avenue that I wish to have in my job satisfaction. But if we're looking at core values, I think being valued as a human being, having um, reasonable pay. And I'm not asking you to pay me large amounts and me being you know, a really ignorant person to the struggles of what the lower income people are facing in Toronto today because it's tough with the inflation and the, uh, the recession today. But being pay- paid fair for the work that I do and the hours I put in 
and according to inflation and living expenses, which some countries are not great at, and Canada's being one of them. And yeah, I think that's pretty much it. And just having really good management where you go to a company and you know there's growth there for you. Mm-hmm. You know they value you as an employee and they see the potential as in you. Like it's not that they're just hiring you just to fill in a quota because they have to fill a headcount, but they see you progressing your career there yeah, in the company. I think it's like the potential. Yeah. But that does raise like also the good point of like job satisfaction again and i'm, I'm going to talk about it with everyone because i think that job satisfaction like all these questions that i'm going to ask throughout the podcast are just very um subjective all of them are going to be very subjective yeah it really depends on you your role and what you like and what you don't like and no one person is the same everyone's mm-hmm. unique in their own ways and so you know, there isn't a box that fits everybody. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think it's just interesting to to hear more from, you know, everybody on what that job satisfaction looks like because it is different for people. I think generally most people look into like benefits. Um, there's one thing I actually did mm. find very interesting when I was, you know, starting my role as well is someone told me that you're not looking for the job and the role you're looking at who the manager is going to be yeah because i think a, a really really big part of job satisfaction is management 100 touched on that like i just if you don't have a good manager or the management is just not doing things that are for your personal benefit and success as an employee on their team yeah you are not going to like your job yeah and i I can't guarantee that, but I can almost 100% guarantee that. Yeah. It's a it's a very important piece of the puzzle. Um, okay, so I guess now I just want to get into a little bit more of like the actual professional uh, conversation in terms of um, your role itself and you know, yeah. what you like about it, what you don't like about it. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody doesn't like something about their role, so <laughs> it's obvious that it's going to be part of it. Um, and in no way is this meant to like discredit any company or any, you know, peer or coworker or anything like that. I think it's just more of a way of expressing what you like and don't like about your, your specific role. So, yeah. um, yeah, I guess the first question is like, what are some of the benefits of, you know, working in tech sales for you? I don't want to come off as superficial, but it's really going to come off as a bit superficial, but it's really just the money. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's usually what it is. So, I, yeah. I, I mean, like, when I, when, I, when I talked back on, like, you know, where I envisioned myself after graduating in more of healthcare or even in pharmaceuticals, uh, I anticipated that I was going to have a certain income, like a starting income as someone, you know, making an entry-level salary. And, of course, like, I don't want to make salary such a taboo thing here. But, like, you know, in Canada, it's you're looking at 45K to 50K a year. But when I did get my salary and first year at the company with no sales experience, I was quite astonished. And it wasn't just, it was my base salary and the commission and the equity. So the stocks and the bonuses, the signing bonus that comes with it. It was a lot of money. And at that point I was like, wow, like I did win the jackpot, like being in a sales role where you get so used to that lifestyle and downgrading to a lower salary and a different type of hustle it becomes uncomfortable and that being said though like your your job isn't the money you make 
at the end of the day yeah. there's a lot of people that cash in quarter million dollars and half a million dollars with commission and big deals that they signed but at the end of the day there there's a study that was done actually where there was a threshold of someone's salary yearly salary that the more that they made past this threshold which i believe it was 215,000 which of course will change because of inflation it didn't impact their way of living yeah it didn't impact their way of living and happiness as well so you have all these things but if you're mentally unhappy with your life at yeah. what point are you fulfilled yeah I so don't think money like doesn't money doesn't buy happiness i think money buys you close to something yeah that is happiness but yeah like it makes sense that once you're after you know after a certain threshold the amount of money you make doesn't really make a difference because you already have all the money that you need to like live a sustainable life and live a lifestyle and i mean you know personally i think it, it varies from person to person like some people are maybe more materialistic than others and they yeah. value having things over experiences for example obviously with that type of money you can have things and experiences but like it really depends on on what you're you know interested in and, and i think mm -hmm. again like yeah sales a lot of people are they find the biggest benefit is like the money yeah. that you do make or that you can make in sales if you do well right like yeah i think that's also a misconception is yeah sales is great if you're doing well yeah if you're not doing well you're not having a good time you're not making what your, you thought you'd be making your job's also on the line too <laughs> exactly like i yeah. think sales you know if you're not performing there isn't the most amount of job security out there right mm -hmm. because a lot of what sales is is they're expecting you to perform they're expecting you to bring additional revenue to the company and if you're not doing that then you're not doing your job so yeah. i would say like money yeah is great and especially if you're extrin extrinsically motivated perfect yeah um but again like you you have to like be careful about just looking at just that yeah because right? like yeah. it it won't like yeah it's the biggest probably benefit of, of working in sales but you know there could be times when you don't make all the money that you said you, you think you were going to make yeah and then if that's your only you know pull to the role you're not going to be very happy with it right so yeah this is just so broad yeah um it's it's almost like in some ways you're you could be a consultant in other ways you're kind of like a project manager in other yeah. ways you're also kind of like a client service representative in other ways like it's just so many things that it's ambiguous that it's like, yeah yeah it's it's you know it's hard to just put it into one category i think it's it's good to find where your sweet spot is and where you feel comfortable where you see growth where you feel management is great and you're learning new things but if you feel like you're not learning and you, you're not happy with the job for whatever reason then it, it makes v very much yeah. sense to leave but yeah to like jump listening to yourself yeah but to jump because of money it goes back to like okay well how much money do you really need to make in this role to the point where you're satisfied yeah and that's a hard thing to to price like how how do you like for example for for someone like myself i'm not very materialistic i just mm -hmm. really could not care less about having items because they don't really have unless they have a significant value to me yeah and you know remind me of a memory or a family member or a friend or whatever yeah then yeah i'll spend the money but you know 
most of it is like experiences. And I think that's just like, again, very subjective. It's like how much is an experience worth to someone? Right? Yeah. And you can't really put like a dollar value on some experiences because they're just priceless. Yep. So at the end of the day, again, like what is that amount of money that you need to make in order to quote unquote make you happy and like satisfied? And, and I feel like honestly, if you're kind of wondering that, then that job probably isn't the right for you. Like, I think, again, I mean, some people, again, they are very driven by money and that's totally fine. I think, honestly, the money money controls us quite a bit. Yeah. You can't really do much without it. So, yeah. totally fair. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I think what we need to strive for more so is, like, what role or position or, you know, company even is going to fulfill me from, like, just being happy in what I'm doing from feeling like, you know, um, stimulated by the role, feeling like I'm, you know, adding value to the company and to the team I'm working with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't think you can really get those feelings through like just getting a lot of money. I don't think that makes a difference. Yeah, yeah, I but, agree. But um, so, what are then some like difficulties about your role? I think one of the biggest sort of areas that I've realize and I've actually spoken to other reps who have experience in sales more than I have so 10 years maybe um is the sort of commission and how it is tied to your performance so I'm not saying like I understand the premise of you having a quota to attain every quarter and meeting that quota is to demonstrate that yes you're doing a good job and yes you're doing a bad job but I will say this, like sales, a lot of it is luck. Oh my God, I agree with that. <laughs> it's yeah. a, lot of depend- it, a lot of dependency is on the accounts that you have, the customers that you have, the industry maybe, um, the work that's probably has been done by the other sales rep who used to have the account before is passed to you or um, just generally like the 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 timing and the moment you've been placed in there i remember when i first started in inside sales like i started to question a lot about my abilities because i realized that there wasn't as much fast growth or results being demonstrated in the work that i was doing and i was attaching my quota to me not being good enough or doing well enough in my role and after having conversations with other reps, like they've also been experiencing the same thing. And one of the things that they mentioned is that it's really dependent on the accounts that you have, mm-hmm. because I have counterparts that are signing massive deals and it just happened to be the right moment. You know, the person's yeah. like, you know, I want to do X, Y, Z project by X, Y, Z timeline. Here are my requirements. Here's my budget. And can you help me with that? And there's certain people that like have like, uh, clients who just don't want anything to do with you they're they're already working with probably your direct competitors they want nothing to do with you you have to really dive deep and like do your own research on the company and that's something that you should always do with your clients you should always know your clients but i think it's really dependent on your on your clients and who you end up having because I can send the same email as someone else and someone else will get a response and I won't because the company is in a certain position or stage of their growth or state of of where they are in, in expansion 
and the company that I'm reaching out to is not. So I think that's the hardest part, detaching your performance metrics and how you're paid on commission to equalizing that as to whether or not you're doing good or bad in your job. Yeah. Because as much as people say he's a great sales rep or this person, he or she or they are a great sales rep, it could very possibly be that they just happen to be at the right time at the right moment. Yeah. They sent a very blank cold email or a cold call and it worked out perfectly well. And they might be just as great of a sales rep as you or they could be just as a bad of a sales rep yeah, as yeah. other people. Um, it, is, it is definitely like I've, I've seen it so many times where it's just like, a luck thing it just yeah. comes in and you're like oh okay well this is a surprise to me but I yeah. guess you know that's great but all this like six months work that I've put my heart and soul into none of it has come to fruition even though I personally don't think it's any different from you know what some of my peers were doing yeah and then you know someone just comes out of the blue and is like yeah no this is like the perfect time I've wanted to talk to you guys and it, it is like yeah it is definitely a luck thing. I think I think getting the first, you know, conversation going is a luck thing. Yeah. Closing a deal, I don't think is a luck thing. It's dependent on who that you are. Is, yeah, as I a rep. That's yeah. more that that is to show more of if you're a good salesperson or not. Because if you are, you can take it to close. You can even me maybe have, you know, a bigger opportunity by the time you close or you found additional ones, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um but if you can't bring opportunities to close, there's always issues and stuff like that. That's where I think that's where you can question it. But I do think like you could run into the imposter syndrome very, very quickly. Yeah. Because you think you're not performing. You think you're doing something wrong, mm-hmm. et cetera. There's this excuse. There's that excuse. And and imposter sy- syndrome is, is huge, I think, in many roles. Um, but I know I've definitely felt it in sales yeah you just really do get a little discouraged if you're not hitting your performance metrics because in theory your performance metrics are created to be attainable and yeah to be you know reached but sometimes they're not attainable and you know they're created off of data that may be skewed and especially going into covid oh yeah it's you don't even have running data for the past however many years that makes sense market conditions and no yeah. one ex- no Very one anticipated different. the recession was going to be yeah now we're in a recession you don't know how people are going to react to the market yeah obviously being in tech sales too like at the beginning of covid i feel like you either had people being like we need technology immediately yeah or they're like we can't afford this and you're too scared to go down this route but at the end of the day everybody had to work from home and, you know, use Zoom or Microsoft Teams or, you know, Google Meets or whatever the case may be to actually, you know, continue having people working. Yeah. So that was a pretty big thing because nobody knew how people were going to react to that. Yeah. I mean, it's a recession too right now. Like I, I deal with clients right now that are using this as an opportunity to expand their business because they've done so well during COVID and they've saved up so much money from profits during COVID that they're now spending it in the recession because now people are like being strict with costs. And I have clients right now that don't want to spend the money because they're scared of what's going to happen and how bad this recession is going to be. I think there's, there's some anticipation as to what the, how long the recession is going to last or not, but there's also a mixture of 
who's doing what in even during the recession as well, even what happened with COVID. Yeah. 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 In terms of other difficulties of sales, I mean, honestly, again, it depends on what type of sales you're in. Yeah. Um, like we're in more of like a consultant type of sales where I just, I don't think it's very straightforward what you're selling. Um, so obviously that can get kind of overwhelming at times and you have to know the right people and pull the right people into place. And so, um, you know, through the past two episodes of talking about like my role and our role as well, um, I just want, I guess more people to understand that like sales really isn't just talking to a customer. No, I would love that. That oh yeah great. if i could talk to a customer all day every day yeah i would be having the time of my life yeah but it's a lot of administrative stuff in the background um and it's a lot of you know managing other people managing oh yeah <laughs> yeah managing expectations you know negotiating um yeah talking to to even people that you might not be comfortable with like I think sales is definitely more for the extroverted just because it might be a little bit difficult to be on calls with people 24 seven if you're introverted. Like I think that would drain people out very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, not saying that some introverted people can't do well in sales. I've definitely seen that happen, but I do think it's a stronger push and I think that there needs mm. to be like more recharging in the in-between, but um yeah, so I think the last question then for today is in terms of like you've been on a very interesting ride since you started studying. Um, so what kind of opportunities do you see as a salesperson? And then like, what do you see as your like five-year plan? For me, I think planning things out too far ahead could lead to disappointment and not disappointment to others is just disappointing yourself because then you have this concrete plan in your life of what you want to do and how you, when do you want to achieve it and how you're going to get there and life is filled with roadblocks and i think i do anticipate me staying in the role for maybe a bit longer not longer than i need to but i do know that i don't want to stay in sales forever i but um, for me, as I mentioned before, I'm really passionate about artistic expression and being able to openly come and create things with that. Yeah. And I've always had a pa like an interest for design when I was much younger, like when I was in my teens. And I loved creating things. So to be able to have a job where I can create a physical thing or transform something from a creative aspect, I would love to do. So I'm kind of in the fence, but um, definitely want to do something that's more involving creativity, not from a technical standpoint, because I know people will say you can be creative in tech. You can, but not talking about that kind of creativity. I feel like my, my brain would not compute that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like tech sales. I'm like, I don't think we're very technical in our role. Like, yeah. You know, we have um, solution architects to kind of help us. And I'm actually going to bring in someone as well to talk about that um, role itself. But it is definitely very different than like what we do. And it's not it's not that technical like it's still more like business driven yeah so if someone were to ask me to go code right now 
I would probably break down and cry because I wouldn't know how to do it. And yeah. I'd get so frustrated. That's why we need them. Yeah, exactly. That's why we need them. <laughs> like, I can't go anywhere without my solution archetype. Yeah. Like, Please come on this call with me. Yeah. Just to make me sound smarter. Truly, they're the backbone. Like, I don't, I, like, I think that, you know, even without us, they would still succeed. Yeah. But no, I, 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 I do want to go back to school. And I think I've told you about, I've already yeah. told you about this. I do want to go back to school. Um, and I want to go back into a more creative role in design. Yeah. I don't know if it'll be interior design or something like interior decorating, but I've always loved designing homes and looking at magazines and books on different ways of incorporating nature in your home. So I've, I do envision myself doing something like that at some point in my life. Yeah. Um, and purely, I just don't think the corporate world's for me and um yeah either in something in music management or maybe in design and architecture or more in the creative space but i do think music can be creative in its own aspect i mean it is but textiles is not like that it doesn't fulfill it doesn't stimulate my brain the same way as much as me discovering new musicians or me looking at an old building Mm -hmm. And also, there's one more thing that I will say, though, because we were talking about career pivots and changes, and I've done, I think, three so far, because all the other roles that I've worked in healthcare were very different. I did quality control, I did regulatory affairs, and I went into banking. I was told by someone when I was at the bank that doing a career change and pivoting and not knowing what to do was a bad thing. Boo. Boo. Because I believed him and I was telling myself that gosh, I need to figure everything out now. Like what am I doing? I'm 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 I was twenty four. I'm like, how do I not know what I want to do with yeah. the rest of my life? And one thing that I've learned and it was at another podcast, funny enough, um, your twenties are for experimenting. Yeah. Your 20s is for dabbling into different industries and figuring out what makes the most sense for you. And it doesn't mean like, you know, your 20s is also for experimenting. You can also do it in your 30s or your 40s. I've I've also seen and I've actually spoken with an individual who was in his 40s um, and he was teaching me German and he was a certain occupation, which I don't remember. And he decided to go back into nursing school. And he told me that he was so miserable in his old job for so long. He didn't want to live the rest of his life being miserable at his job. So he decided to make the pivot. I I think when people tell you pivoting in your career, I I wouldn't say it's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing because at least you're not wasting your time on something that's going to make you unhappy. And at least it's giving you one step closer to where you should be. Yeah. I think it's also like, how do you know until you try it? Yeah. Right? Um, I think, you know, specifically like with your career, it's like you should make, make mistakes and failures like while you can, right? Like while you, you know, obviously some people don't have the opportunity to do that. Um, and you know, if you do have the privilege of making those choices for yourself, I think definitely you should. And and I think there's so much pressure being put on people in their twenties. Um, and obviously being in our twenties, I like, I feel that pressure some days you know i want to cry because of it and other days i'm like i don't really understand why there's all this pressure yeah we are literally even if we live to 50 let's say yeah we are still only halfway through our lives and literally the last like five years of my life have been you know university and then you know working and stuff right so the rest of my life is supposed to be 
technically until I'm at least like 50 yeah in a job yeah and you can make these pivots whenever you want but why not make them now so you know and you can experiment and you know maybe find something that you you would want to do for the next like 10 15 years of your life or even 20 years of your life right like you're never gonna know unless you try it and so yeah definitely explore you know yeah into different industries look into different types of roles and learn i think that's part of why i wanted to create this podcast too is i i feel like a lot of my friends as well have been feeling quite lost in their roles and honestly so many people i speak to it's it's kind of almost a joke but you know when you're like joking but you're not really joking you're like internally sad yeah yeah oh haha i hate my job but like ha 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 and it's like no no but do you actually like your job like do you actually like what you're doing and honestly a lot of people that i've talked to just like don't like their jobs and we're all in our early 20s but we're all also almost like no i don't want to move and it's like well what yeah what's holding what's holding us back exactly yeah i think it's just the fear of like oh well what if i what if i fail this new job or yeah you know especially in sales having this like the the money that you're making in sales you're gonna go into another job you're probably not gonna be making as much you're gonna get a pay cut yeah Yeah. and that is a really hard band-aid to rip off like you Mm -hmm. need to adjust to a different lifestyle that you're not used to but again at the end of the day are you going to be happier in that role maybe yeah so and i think also you can always come back to the role if you've tried five different roles and you're like i hate all of these i actually ended up liking sales for example the most. for sure yeah why can't you come back yeah no obviously come back and like anyone who's gonna judge you aren't great people yeah. You know, if, if anyone's going to judge you and tell you, okay, well, you've pivoted twi- so many times and now you figured out sales is your only thing, you could have just stayed. Those are the people you don't want to surround yourself with. Exactly. People who, who are going to judge you for making a career pivot or people who are going to judge you because you want to go and become an, an entrepreneur and start your own business, it's fueled with their own personal insecurity. Agreed. At the end of the day, if someone wants to pivot their career and they do it, your your true friends and people who actually care about you would want you to do it and trust that you will make the right decision for yourself and be happy for you otherwise if someone's criticizing you and telling you that what you're doing is naive or irrational or risky i think they're probably personally unhappy with their life and they're trying to project that to you yeah or they're not willing to risk it themselves yeah right like no risk is no reward so if you're not willing to risk something like you're not going to just be rewarded things without risking something else right like yeah obviously you would have to risk maybe the potential stability in your current role yep. to explore something else but at least at the end of the day you have the reward of knowing whether you like this other job or not and then you're not thinking continuously about this other role that you know again like i said in you know one of my previous episodes it's the the whole concept of like comparison is the thief of joy if you're continuously comparing your job and thinking someone else's job is so much greater yeah and you've never tried this job you're you don't know that yeah right i like everyone would a hundred percent is just going to tell you the probably the best parts of their job or that's what you're going to see you're best friends are probably going to tell you the worst parts of their job or yeah. you know, your close friends 
But like outside of that, if you don't talk to this person regularly, you only see their job as being a highlight reel of what their job really is. And I can see it no other way at this point. Yeah. So it really does go to show that like, yeah, make those changes, be confident in yourself and your abilities and your skills. And again, I, I feel like my parents tell me this all the time too, but you could always come back. Like it really yeah. goes down to that. It's not the end of the world. Your job is not the end of the world. <laughs> yeah, it really, it really shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and one thing too is like you can explore things on the side right? Like take a course even. Coursera online now. There's Skillshare. Yeah. So many universities do it too. Like take these courses online. There's LinkedIn learning as well. Take one of those courses. See if you actually enjoyed what you learned. Because I think if you're not enjoying what you're learning, you're not going to enjoy the job. Yeah. Because you're learning for the job. Yeah. So just a couple of quick tidbits, but yeah, very, very interesting. I don't know if you have any last closing thoughts to present the people. No, I think I'm I'm pretty good. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining me today. I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. And stay tuned for future So You Want to Be Me podcast episodes. Thanks for having me. Thank you.